Hey everyone, I'm Dan Cortler, the host of TED Climate. Each episode, we unpack the problems and solutions of climate change. This season of the show, we're getting into some big ideas that make us optimistic about the future, like meat grown from cells and leather made from mushrooms. And the best part? We look at how building a greener future can be an upgrade instead of a sacrifice. Find and follow TED Climate wherever you're listening to this. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, Brendan Haley. It's Laura. Hi. Hi. <laughs> nice to am, have am you I, here. Am I in the right spot? Yes. First of all, I just have to tell you how much I loved your Halloween costume. I looked at that picture that you tweeted out, but I think for our listeners, you should describe what you wore. Sure. It was basically just a white cardboard box with a spinning fan attached to it. I had some backer rod insulation to mimic insulated refrigerant lines, and I had the Energy Star logo on the box. <laughs> and that all added up to? To a heat pump. So I was dressed <laughs> up as a heat pump. <laughs> you sure were. <laughs> I hear you were handing out candy in Ottawa in your neighborhood while you were wearing that costume. I'm curious what kind of response that got from your neighbors. Well, a fair amount of people seemed to know what it was. I did get to educate some people on some really wonky stuff. So I had some discussions and uh, some laughs. Okay, so Brendan might be the only person who dressed up as a heat pump this Halloween, but he's not the only one talking about them these days. How about this from a recent meeting of Canada's premiers? So I brought a, a t-shirt uh, with me here about my enthusiasm for the federal government's uh, heat pump program in Atlantic Canada. I do not share D David Eby's, uh, Premier Eby's enthusiasm for heat pumps because in our, in our province they, they don't work particularly well at below minus 25. And I think uh, premiers and provinces that can sign up for uh, this particular program where heat pumps uh, can be useful, you should most certainly sign up for it. Or this bit of hot debate from the House of Commons. Mr. Speaker, the measures we announced a couple of weeks ago help any Canadian everywhere across the country to get off home heating oil towards using a heat pump, which is cleaner, less expensive, uh, and better for our future. Heat pumps are fine. My parents are using a heat pump right now. That is not the issue at hand. Canadians want to do the right thing. But they can't, for example, navigate the owner's government programs for a heat pump and end up giving up. Okay, you should have it by now. Heat pumps are the subject. I'm Laura Lynch. This is What on Earth, where we bring you a world of climate solutions. And if you are a total climate nerd like me, you're probably no stranger to the idea of heat pumps. The systems that can both heat and cool a home that are powered by electricity. Heat pumps, it seems, are just so hot right now. Before we go any further, Brendan, I think you better introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Brendan Haley. I'm the Director of Policy Research for Efficiency Canada, a Carleton University-based energy efficiency policy think tank. And just would you also describe yourself as a climate nerd? Sure. I've had a long career being a climate nerd. <laughs> okay. Then there's two of us in this space. Brendan Haley, hello. 
Hi. So we're here to talk about why politicians are so heated over heat pumps lately. And, and let's just break it down. A few weeks ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced a plan to suspend the carbon tax on home heating oil for three years. And he also promised free heat pumps for lower income people who make the switch away from heating oil. And for higher income people who make that same move, they can get interest free loans for, you guessed it, heat pumps. And all of that is especially good news for people in Atlantic Canada, where the proportion of people who use heating oil is higher. So, Brendan, what do you think of the plan? That is a big deal because it really recognizes that low-income Canadians have specific barriers that have kept them out of the more standard energy efficiency programs we have in the country, which all require upfront costs to be paid. The problem I see is that if you heat with natural gas or electricity and you're lower income, you still do not have any help from the federal government. And so we're still leaving out a lot of lower income Canadians that could really benefit from energy efficiency. Right. The suspension of the carbon tax on heating oil has stirred up anger in Saskatchewan and Alberta and the premiers there are calling for the Prime Minister to suspend the carbon tax on natural gas used for home heating as well. What's your view of the situation? Well, I think the carbon tax always should have been part of a larger policy mix. And I think everybody wants to do their part and they do want to take action on climate change, but they also want it to be affordable, fair and just. So I You know, I wonder what the government is thinking now if they had a time machine and went back to when they were first elected. What if they started by ensuring that low income families could access heat pumps and energy efficiency? Maybe we wouldn't have had this carbon tax exemption. And at the same way, you know, we're still not providing these solutions for electricity and natural gas users that are lower income. So you think that should have been done right out of the gate to be able to allow lower income Canadians to access that kind of way to heat their homes instead? Yeah, exactly. I think as soon as the government especially announced the carbon tax was going to go up fairly substantially in future years, you know, we really need to, at that point, have thought about what social programs for a low carbon economy should be made available so everyone can take action. This is fair for everybody. This is equitable for everyone. And for me, you know, energy efficiency services need to be easy and affordable for everyone to be part of the solution. And we still haven't done that. Insulation, window sealing, those are also important ways to reduce emissions from homes, but but they're not sexy, right? They're not very glamorous. How do you think? Yeah. Right? They're not, right? No, no. I mean, you didn't dress up as a as a window sealing or insulation, so... <laughs> well, that's next, next Halloween, oh, maybe. okay. <laughs> but I mean, how do you think policies that make heat pumps more affordable can also push forward those solutions as well? Yeah, I, I think it's amazing that, that heat pumps have captured people's attention, but if we really want to solve the affordability, comfort, and health problems in people's homes. We need those tried and true energy efficiency solutions like better insulation and air sealing, especially in lower income homes, because all across the country, better insulation will reduce your bills immediately. And we can't say that yet for a heat pump. Um, Heat pumps might pay off in the long run, but they're not necessarily going to deliver those immediate 
affordability benefits. Even in Atlantic Canada, where oil-heated homes might be getting free heat pumps, a lot of those homes are really old and leaky, and they need some insulation and air sealing for the heat pump to work more effectively. So I'm a huge fan of heat pumps. I dressed (laughs) up like a heat pump for Halloween, but I think it's a huge mistake to limit any energy efficiency initiative especially one focused on low income solely to heat pumps. Now, the Premier of BC didn't dress up as a heat pump, but he did sport an I heart heat pumps t-shirt at a recent Premier's meeting in Halifax. I'm wondering what more should the provinces be doing to push energy efficiency forward? Well, I think it's great to see the Premier of BC say, hey, we support a carbon price, but what we want to do is we want to get more heat pumps into homes. And especially in a place like BC, yes, there are oil-heated homes in BC and there are oil-heated homes across the country, but there's way more electricity, natural gas, propane, even wood-heated homes where people might also be struggling to pay their bills. So I would like to see the premiers say, hey, let's make this a national solution not so much on the carbon tax exemption as much as on bringing those energy efficiency solutions to everyone. And then we're seeing, we're already seeing a lot of those provinces stepping up on energy efficiency, especially for low income. And that includes British Columbia. There's a program in Edmonton and Calgary now. There's new plans in Manitoba. New Brunswick has just dramatically increased its energy efficiency. Ontario is giving free heat pumps for low income only for electricity. So I actually see this as an area where there's wide agreement across the country. Now, whether we are talking, though, about existing policies to make heat pumps free or a national energy efficiency program, they're all aimed at homeowners. So where do renters fit into the conversation? Yeah, renters experience energy inefficiency in a lot of ways. They experience it perhaps through higher rents, They can experience it through higher bills. Also, just inadequate services, especially access to things like air conditioning or prevention or being able to be insulated, essentially, literally from extreme heat or extreme cold events. And right now, we do not have a federal program to help low-income renters in particular. And that needs to be designed in a certain way because it needs to ensure that tenant rights are strengthened through things like affordable rent guarantees. So there's some programs in the country where there are incentives and things like free heat pumps or free insulation that are delivered to low-income renters. But in return, the landlord has to sign an agreement that the rents aren't going to go up and those benefits are going to go to the tenants. Is that happening? Um, And there's some programs in Nova Scotia, for instance, is a program that works like that, that the real place to look is in the United States. They've had a national low-income energy efficiency program for decades now that Canada could emulate. And we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. 
in the United States, if we can just go south the border a little bit more, some cities and states are banning natural gas hookups in new buildings. And as a result, we saw gas stoves become part of the culture wars there earlier this year with some Republicans calling those moves government overreach. And I'm wondering, with all of the political discussion about heat pumps lately, how worried are you that they'll end up politicized in the same way? I think that's a bit of a worry. I think there's some myth busting that is needed about simply how heat pumps work. But I have been following the debates in Parliament when heat pumps are talked about a lot as a result of uh, recent events. And there actually seems to be fairly wide agreement amongst the parties on this energy efficiency part. You know, so for instance, the Bloc Quebecois was saying, how come renters who use electricity shouldn't be able to benefit for energy efficiency? And a, a Liberal member uh, agreed with that member. And so alongside the NDP, they they all seem to think that renters could benefit from energy efficiency. You know, fixing that would help more people with affordability and take action on climate. But then we have Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, who tweeted a few days ago that heat pumps only work to a temperature of minus 15 to minus 25 degrees centigrade. And below that, a supplemental system must be used to provide heating. He tweeted that this shows that the federal government, and this is a quote, really does want to leave Saskatchewan families in the cold. I'm wondering what your response is to that. I I think, again, that we need to have people understand how heat pump systems actually work. So I have a fully electric heat pump system. I live in Ottawa and I have a supplemental heating system. And it's not a big deal. It's just how the system is designed, that you can have a supplemental heating system that's either electric or natural gas that works very well with a heat pump. And it's important to put that in perspective, even in Saskatchewan, which is one of the worst case sort of coldest provinces, a heat pump will work 90% of the time because actually it's only 10% of those heating hours or less that the temperature does drop below minus 20. But 90% of the time in Saskatchewan, in a place like Saskatoon, you can be getting lower carbon, more comfortable heat. Ottawa can get pretty cold too. I know because I live there. <laughs> Do you Have you ever had to use your supplemental heating? Well, this is the first winter I'm having my heat pump, so oh, I'm not okay. too sure yet. <laughs> so, um, but I do talk to lots of friends who have heat pumps. So I have a very good friend, and she her supplemental heating did not come on last winter at all. Okay. Uh, Depending on where you live in Canada, though, the electrical grid might not be emissions-free. So what do you say to those who point out that heat pumps aren't really a clean way to heat and cool your home if your electricity comes from burning fossil fuels like coal or natural gas? Well, the secret to a heat pump, the magic of it is not so much that it's electric, it's that it's really, really energy efficient. So even in an electricity grid, which has some fossil fuels on it, the energy efficiency performance of the heat pump can still produce a net benefit for the climate, especially if, say, you're replacing an existing inefficient electric system. But it's also why it's not just about heat pumps. It's also about insulation and air sealing. So yes, in some provinces, especially Alberta, Saskatchewan, the strategy that makes a lot of sense in the very short term for both affordability and for climate is to focus on those building upgrades first and then yes install a heat pump and then the grids still need to get slightly 
cleaner for that heat pump to have a net benefit, and it should have a net benefit over its lifetime for the climate if our electricity grids continue to clean up. And they're going to do that through policy initiatives, but a lot of them are doing it just naturally because renewables are coming down in price and are more cost effective. I dare say your heat pump Halloween costume gave you a chance to talk to people in your neighborhood about heat pumps. It might have been part of the reason why we asked you to come on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should wear it all the time and then you'll keep the conversation going. What do you think? Well, I've been a bit of an activist for a long time (laughs) and dressing up and making yourself look silly is actually a really good (laughs) tactic. I'm from Nova Scotia and I used to work for an organization where people dressed up like fish quite frequently. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to dress up and make myself look silly if it helps the conversation. Okay, well, I, I can't wait to see what you wear next. And, uh, and we can keep another conversation going, Brendan Haley. Thank you. Thanks so much. I know we were joking there, but uh, the conversation about heat pumps is one that is worth having. I certainly know that we hear about it from you guys from our listeners a lot Um, people who are concerned that it won't work people who swear by it as as a way to cool and heat their homes Um, I'm sure this isn't the last conversation that we're going to have but if you have anything you want to share with us about heat pumps you know where to reach us earth at cbc.ca and we have time now for a few other climate stories making news this week An audit of Canada's climate policy has found that under current plans, the country will fall short of hitting its greenhouse gas reduction target for 2030. Two years ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau pledged to cut emissions by 40% of 2005 levels by the end of this decade. Environment and Sustainable Development Commissioner Jerry DeMarco says the policies aren't in place to achieve those cuts. The Federal Minister of Environment and Climate Change, Stephen Gilbeau, says there are steps being taken that will help reach that target. The cap on, on the emission of the oil and gas sector, uh, finalizing the, the, the zero emission vehicle regulations, um, new methane regulations, these are all new elements that the commissioner could not have, uh, have, have looked at because we haven't, been, we haven't finalized them, but we are in the process of doing that. So we're, we're confident that we can get there. There's still seven years before 2030, but we can't, we can't, we can't go back. The report also says Canada is the only country in the G7 whose emissions are higher now than in 1990. Canada has never met an emissions reduction goal. A UN report released days ago also calls out Canada for being on pace to extract more oil and gas than it should if it wants to help limit global warming. The UN says Canada is among a group of countries that are on track to more than double the amount of fossil fuels in 2030 than are required to keep warming to one and a half degrees. Australia's Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has announced that the country is offering Tuvalu an escape hatch from the effects of climate change. The treaty covers three main areas of cooperation, climate change, human mobility, and security. Australia commits to provide assistance to Tuvalu in response to a major natural disaster to a health pandemic or to military aggression. 300 people will be able to move to Australia every year under a new visa program. 11,000 people call the Pacific Island nations of Tuvalu home, but with sea level rise, the safety of those people is becoming increasingly precarious. 
Kauzia Natano is Tuvalu's prime minister. This partnership stands as a beacon of hope, signifying not just a milestone, but a giant leap forward. Earth just experienced the hottest 12 months ever recorded, according to Climate Central. The nonprofit science research group says the extreme heat should push negotiators at the upcoming climate talks in Dubai to agree to phase out the use of fossil fuels. And of course, you can read more about climate change in the CBC What on Earth newsletter, and you can subscribe to that to have it delivered to your inbox every week. Remember, you can listen to all of our episodes on demand at CBC Listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We drop two new podcasts every week. While you're there, leave us a review. And hey, you can give us five stars like Maritime Mike did. (laughs) And the very best thing you can do is help us reach more people. So tell a friend about our show. You know, those people who care about climate change but just can't take any more bad news. Let them know. We're here that we always bring hope and solutions to the table, no matter how serious the story is. But that's it for now. The show was put together by Vivian Luck, Danielle Piper, Rachel Sanders, Molly Siegel, Matthias Wolfson, and Catherine Rolfson. I'm Laura Lynch. Thank you for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.